Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. I'm Kim Thompson Pinder, the extraordinary word ninja and founder of RTI Publishing, where we work with you to ghostwrite and publish your signature book that will double your business by attracting clientele and position you as the go-to expert in your niche. Next, we will show you how to use your book to make lead generation and conversion a snap while building an audience. My guests include professionals, entrepreneurs, and coaches who use their skills to build people powerfully. They will share their story and powerful tips that will help you live better. They will also share their writing journey and how it has impacted their life and the lives of their readers. If you've ever wondered if writing a book makes a difference, then this podcast is for you. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And I have been having so much fun doing these podcasts. Potaluzo, I keep pronouncing it wrong all day today. Um, anyway, I was at a podcasting event and it was amazing one day. Palooza, podcast Palooza, Potapalooza. Oh, I'll get it right by the end of the day. Anyway, I was at a one-day conference, and it was an amazing conference where you got to learn about being a guest, about being a host, you know, building your podcast. But we got to do on-the-spot interviews with some really interesting people. So I'm excited today to have Heather Abbott join us. Now, she is known as the Prosperity Pro. This is what happens when you're on like your fourth or fifth podcast interview in a row. And she uses over 30 years experience as a CPA, financial advisor and business owner to support her clients in creating significant shifts and results. So when you have a mission or a dream that feels too big, Heather will guide you on your unique path to overcome challenges, reach your goals more easily and make the impact you want. Welcome to the show, Heather. It's a pleasure to be here. How are you? I am awesome. Thanks. So Heather, tell us the story. How did you become known as the Prosperity Pro? Well, my gift is to make people feel better. So that helps with the joy part. And I've started accounting, learning accounting in 1984. And I've been an accountant and financial advisor, entrepreneur for like three decades. So with the financial part and the mindset part, and so bring it all together and you get prosperity, wealth and joy. And and back when you started, they weren't using computers for for accounting yet. So I think you had to learn how to do it all the hard way with those big journal books and and you'd have to flip back and forth and you did everything in pencil because. Yeah, I I will tell you that to me, manual bookkeeping means you use an Excel sheet. (laughs) (laughs) That's that uh, like I am not adding anything up. Forget that that that. That ended years ago. <laughs> no, <laughs> actually, I um, my first year out of university, my summer job, they wanted their books on a computer, and a computerized accounting program had not been created yet. Bedford Accounting came out the following year, so I actually they had an Apple, so I used Excel sheets, and I created. You know, nineteen years old, I created an accounting program for them that basically they could enter the information 
question and it would update from the journal to the ledger to the trial balance to the income statement and the balance sheets. So that was quite an accomplishment. Well, yeah. If you'd only thought about monetizing that back then, you could have been. I was 19. I didn't think of that. (laughs) (laughs) No, I thought about boys and... I was in network marketing for a long time, so I I didn't have to do traditional bookkeeping in that sense, but I took over my mother-in-law's business. And so she taught me accounting, but she had only ever done it in ledger books, like no spreadsheets, nothing. So I learned accounting by doing ledger books. Yeah. Isn't that tedious? (laughs) It is, but do you know what? But I do know if you transpose numbers, divide by nine, and you'll know whether you transposed it. Divide by two, you put it in the wrong column. Yeah, it's it's annoying, though. <laughs> it is, but I, I was so thankful for it because it gave mm-hmm. me such a strong foundation in accounting. Like I, you know, when you made a mistake, you had to figure out where you made the mistake, yeah. right? And so I, I, got, I had, was so strong in it that when I went to the computer end and started using QuickBooks, um, it made life a lot easier because I actually had a really great understanding. I wasn't just learning a piece of software. I actually knew accounting. Yes. And I have seen people so open up bookkeeping practices where all they did was learn how to use an accounting software. They don't understand accounting. And that is so scary. The, the main problem, though, I come up against with um, businesses not being profitable is actually they've hired someone to do the book. And it's not even that they don't have the knowledge. It's that they don't look. Yeah. I, would, I would actually hold the person's taxes in my hand and go through it and make them look before yeah. I would let them leave with it. Because I knew all they wanted to know is how much am I paying? How much am I getting back? And I'm like, no, there's stuff here you have to know. <laughs> I've had a couple of guests on recently and um, you know, we've gotten on this discussion of entrepreneurs not knowing their numbers. Oh yes. It's, it's, it's terrible. And also a lot of people are misled by people saying numbers and saying, Oh, well, I had a six, $600,000 day, you know, like, or whatever, like whatever number it is. And people are like, Oh, wow. They had a six figure day. Yeah. That's what I was trying to think of. Um, they had a six figure day. They made a million dollars. No, they didn't. No, they didn't. They had expenses. And most of the time they forget about the ones that they're not actually related to that day. Like they'll say, okay, well, I paid out this much to the person putting it on and I paid this much in affiliate fees. Well, what about the courses that you paid for this year and all the coaching you're paying for and your CRM and, you know, all these other things that you're paying? That's why you have to look at the books. A woman told me I had a six figure business and I went bankrupt because she didn't look at the numbers. So important. So, so important. And, you know, it's funny because it's not sexy. It's not the sexy part of entrepreneurship is knowing your numbers and being clear on them. You know, um, I came to a couple of realizations quite a few years ago. So realization number one is I'm incredibly good at accounting. I'm incredibly good with numbers. Awesome. In fact, I actually, there was a short period of time when, you know, things were a little financially rough. I actually went and worked for my accountant. She needed someone to do data entry. So I was really good at it. Second realization hit. 
I hate doing it. Oh, <laughs> when, when, when you're this, this creative person, you know, mm-hmm. who loves variety and, you know, to just be sitting, staring at a screen, typing in information and numbers all day is like torture. Oh yeah. I haven't done, I don't do it anymore. I don't do accounting. I don't do financial advising. I coach and I speak, but if your listeners don't really get how tedious it can be, I actually listened to audio books while I would do Mm -hmm. bookkeeping. If I was doing bookkeeping, because I really did not need to use my brain. If something was really out of whack, I'd press pause and deal deal with it. That would take like two minutes. Then you're back to the book and you're listening to the book and you're just kind of like autopilot. Like (laughs) I try to tell business owners if they are uh, leaving all their receipts for the end of the year or like for the end of the month, you really should be doing it minimum monthly. But if you're going to wait on that, at least add them up yourself. Don't categorize them by where you spent the money. They have to be categorized by the expense they apply to. And you can find that out by looking at your taxes. Yes. Like that's one actual tip that they can go and act on. If they're, if they're, if they haven't hired a bookkeeper, they're in startup mode and they're trying to bootstrap it themselves. There's categories on your taxes. That's what the accountant has to do. And you can seriously hire a 10-year-old to add up the darn receipts for you instead of paying your accountant to do it. Because when a box full of receipts come in, you're paying us to sort slips and add them up. Seriously. Yeah. And you're not paying us what you would pay a 10-year-old. And they're just as capable of doing it. It's a or you know what? Do it yourself. Like, hello, you are not entrepreneur. This is part of your responsibility, right? Is to some people have real phobias with it though. True. But I think, you know, I, I've always just put a system together. And the one thing, the one thing I do is, you know, when I'm focusing on accounting, I don't have other things going on. I actually block out time where I'm just working on accounting because I need to focus on it. I need as boring as it is. I need to be able to focus on, you know, what I'm doing. So to make sure that, you know, every I is dotted and every T is crossed, because if you're ever audited, Oh, and you have not dotted your I's and crossed your T's. I mean, the first time they find a major, now I've never been audited. I just talked to a lot of people who have. Uh, The first time that, you know, they find something majorly wrong, all of a sudden they're now watching everything else really carefully. Yeah. If they find something wrong, they will likely go back and look at prior years. Like that's when they start to dig in more deeply. If your current year is looking good, then you're probably fine. Mm. And they do give you some warning before they come for an audit. Like you do have a bit of time to get things together and organized. But the importance of it is if you're not tracking it, then you don't know if you're profitable. And the last thing you want to be doing is paying somebody to take your product off of your hands. And I've seen that happen. Yeah. You know, when you understand your numbers, it's actually so incredibly freeing. Yes. People think it kind of traps you in a box, but it doesn't. It frees you. You know, when you know what your expenses are, when you know what money's coming in, where it's allocated, where it's going, then you can make great financial decisions. And sometimes the best financial decision you can make is to say no to something. 
Oh, yes, definitely. And actually, that kind of brings me into uh, the freebie that I give away on my website, which is Three Steps to Financial Clarity. It's an overview of the system I have. And you can totally take action on it and get clarity with your numbers. Mm-hmm. What I teach in that is really eye-opening and very simple to do, mm-hmm. but very often, oh my gosh, overlooked. Ten, I would say 10% of people know what, how to calculate whether or not they can actually afford something. And this, it's overlooked and it's really the cornerstone of your wealth. Like if you're building a building, that cornerstone, that's all important. Yes. If you don't know this, you can build millions of dollars and go bankrupt because you don't have that solid foundation stone. It really, it, it's as simple as breaking it down into what your obligations are, the things that you have agreed that you're going to pay, the things that you're not tempted to spend extra on, and then your food and fun, which is everything else, everything that, you know, all your habits, all your, I, well, yes, food is there. You're like, that's an obligation. No. No. Yes, you have to eat, but there's food banks at the bottom end and at the top end, there's eating out every meal. Right. So there's a wide range. So the food and fun calculations, everything that you're going to guess at the obligations, you can pretty well know for certain what they are. You convert everything to weekly. You take your net income obligations as a percentage of net income is whether or not you're living in your, within your means. And it's so important. I I know in Canada, the stat I know a few years ago was over, I think, 64% of people retire in debt. And in the Maritimes where I am, it's over 80% of people were retiring in debt. That is unnecessary. It's not called for. And it just means that you have to think about future you and what future you's goals are, what's important to you Mm -hmm. rather than... I think I'm going to treat myself to a coffee this morning every day, right? Like that digs in. And if you get clarity on where your numbers are going, where your money is going, what your numbers are, that will help you to make sure that you're reaching for your big goals in life. The things that you'll regret not doing when you get to your deathbed, you want to make sure that you're addressing that. Well, people don't realize that that $3 a day coffee is over a thousand dollars a year a year out of your pocket. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you've been longing for a trip, <laughs> all inclusive down south. Yeah, a coffee yeah. a day. <laughs> like depending you know, which place you get it, it, could you could have a really nice trip if it's from a certain place rather than another place, right? <laughs> well, that's true too. <laughs> nice difference in the coffee. We we won't go into the three majors here in Canada. No, no, we'll we'll just drop it. But yeah, I think they all know what we're talking about. (laughs) Yeah, like there's there's so many little things that we spend money on that we're not thinking about, and how much you know over the year it's it's actually costing us because we think oh it's a dollar, it's a two dollar, you know it's ten dollars, it's twenty dollars, whatever. But when you start looking at those totals it starts blowing your mind how much you're spending and and how much you can either, you know, invest that into your business or, you know, put it away for retirement, even not go into debt, like get your debt paid off. Right. One, a couple of things that that we did as a family is we made the decision, you know, many years ago, never to buy a new car again. So when our cars would die, we'd save up, we'd buy a used car 
you know, we wouldn't, we'd save up to repair that thing. So we don't go into debt for our vehicles. Um, you know, my husband and I now have paid off our mortgage. So, you know, we've worked really hard on just trying to make those small decisions. And yeah, there was times we had to sacrifice things, but you know, like I'm not starving and I've come to realize there's a lot of things that I really just don't need. It's yeah. so freeing when you don't have to have. Car loans and credit cards are what kill most people's credit. Like they kill them financially and never, never, never get a car loan for more than five years. Oh my gosh. That is one oh, of I the know. worst things you can ever do. Don't tell a car salesman what you can afford monthly. Don't just don't. <laughs> car loans are, are front end loaded for the interest. That means when you start paying it, you're mostly paying interest, which is the profit portion for them. You're not paying off your vehicle until farther into it. And it's far worse when it's a longer loan. It used to be we were protected from that because you'd go to borrow money from a bank and a bank would say, okay, well, you have to put a deposit and we'll loan you the rest because they always wanted to make sure that your loan was less than the value of your car. Car dealerships don't care. Yeah. People owe them way more than the car is worth and they don't care. They're going to take the car back and resell it. And you're still going to owe them the difference. So yeah, no, figure out what you can afford monthly, take off all the expenses that you're forgetting about. But if you don't have a car already, like gas and insurance and license plates and all that, and then whatever's left for the car payment, multiply it by 36. That's what you can afford for a vehicle. Well, and the other thing too, you know, one thing I thought of is, you know, you're taking these longer loans, like the five, six, seven years, not only do you have that loan, but by the time you're hitting that five, six, seven year mark, you're also putting major money in each year to repair that vehicle as well. So, you know, like you're, you're sometimes you can almost double what you're paying because now, you know, brakes, tires, muffler, shocks, all of those wear and tear items on your vehicle and heaven forbid, you should have actually a major repair on your vehicle, you know, but you're still paying this thing off. <laughs> yeah. Well, every, the average person keeps a car for six to seven years. So if you follow what I said, get it for three years and then still put the money aside for three years, your next vehicle can be twice as nice and you're still making the same payment or you can, you know, look at starting paying partly cash for it, but it will get it so that you are actually ahead at the end of the game. And you you won't you won't put yourself in financial jeopardy because you have a car loan. And even if you sell the car, it's not going to pay off the loan. Yeah, because I mean, somebody told me once and I don't know how true this is, but, you know, the value of your vehicle depreciates just by driving it off the lot. Like you've you've already lost the moment you drive that vehicle off the lot, you've lost a, a significant portion. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like jewelry. You go to a jewelry store to buy a, a diamond ring. You try selling it afterwards and getting that money back. It's not going to happen. No. It's like worth half. Yeah. Basically. It, yeah. So it, yes, there are things that you want in life that are, that you are willing to spend money on. But before you do, take an hour. This is one of the exercises I get my clients to do. Take an hour, sit down with a notebook and write down what is important to you. And the reason I say an hour is because first, all the top of mind things are going to jumble out, but then your brain is going to start going digging. So if you picture your, your, your brain with the memories like an attic, 
So you've got stuff strewn on the floor. All that's going to be in the first 10 minutes. After that, it's going to go and start unpacking the boxes and peeking back and say, what did I put in here when I was 18 years old? Right? So you want to know what's important to you so that your money is going towards what is truly important. You know, somebody told me something once and it, it, it has really changed how I do things. You know, they said before making any major purchase, sit on it for three days and then yeah. see how you feel about it. That's good because, advice. Because the emotions are gone. The hype, the feel of getting that something new, right? And after three days, you're like, I don't really want this thing. Like I, I've had that happen so many times where I'm like, oh, I want it, I want it, I want it. And then three days later, I'm like, wow, I didn't, I forgot I even wanted that thing, right? So, you know, that's yeah. how you overcome the temptation is just sitting on it for a bit. I've also heard people say that if they're going out just browsing, leave your credit cards and your cash at home. Yes. And that that way it has to be worth it to you to go for the drive back home to get it, to go back and pick it up. That so, is so good. You know, yeah. I, I realized like I love to craft. I'm very creative. And, um, you know, I'd go to craft stores and come out, you know, two, three hundred dollars worth of stuff. And years later, I'd be either giving it away or throwing it out. And I came to realize that it wasn't the buying of the stuff that I enjoyed. It was going into the store and imagining creating the projects and letting my creativity kind of loose for a while and, and the ability just to imagine things. So now I can go into a craft store and walk out with nothing because awesome. it's the experience of it that I was enjoying. It wasn't actually buying the project. Now, when I do buy something, like I finish one project first, or I, I might have one project ahead, but I don't buy three or four projects ahead. I, you know, when I'm getting to about halfway point on a project, I'll buy the stuff for the next project. So I can just move from project to project because that's how I work. But I don't go out and buy like 50 million stuff anymore because I don't need to. It's the experience of imagining it that I enjoy. Not, you know, there's, they joke about crafters. You kind of, you have two crafters, those who imagine doing crafts and those who do do crafts. And I'm both. So when I go window shopping, that's my imagination crafting time. But then I come home and I work on things. <laughs> That's nice. When my daughter was little, we'd go into stores and she would pick up the toy and be like, oh, it's so pretty. And she'd put it back and she'd pick up another one and do it. And I was so proud of her because she was just browsing and just put all oh, and put it back. And then, oh, the guy I was married to was like, oh, do you want that? And you saw it just click. It's like, Dang, <laughs> why did you keep your mouth shut? Oh, uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. It's not about having it. Just because they make it doesn't mean you have to have it. True. Well, Heather, if people have enjoyed this conversation, how can they connect with you and get your free guide? It is on my website, which is hcabbott.ca. It stands for Heather Catherine, HC. A-B-B-O-T-T.ca. Awesome. So this has been Heather Abbott and Kim Thompson-Pinder on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. Thank you for listening to the Author to Authority podcast. 
I have a free gift that I would love to give you. Coming out this year, I am releasing my book, Author to Authority. And if you are an entrepreneur, solopreneur, small business owner, professional coach or speaker, and you want to find out how to gain visibility and how to build your business bigger, stronger, faster, then I recommend that you download a free sample of the Author to Authority book at www.authortoauthority.com forward slash get dash the dash book. It's going to be a great resource for you that teaches the author to authority concept and the six key areas that you build authority in and how you can use a book to do it all faster. So don't forget, get your free copy today.